We're going to kick off episode 321 of Monster Kid Radio with the song The Mayhem Madness. Okay, let me start that over. My wife Brenda has informed me that because of this episode number, I have to do a countdown. Three, two, one. This is episode 321 of Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I am your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. I hope you're enjoying the song, The Mayhem Madness. It is from the surf band, The Water Borders. They're out of the UK. You can find them at thewaterborders.net, or you can find them on Bandcamp. This song is available for one pound. It's from their EP, Check it out. Let them know that you heard them here on Monster Kid Radio. When you're done listening to this episode, this is a feedback episode. Nothing but feedback and maybe some thoughts on what's coming up with Universal's Dark Universe. Now, because we're going to be talking about Dark Universe in the upcoming Mummy movie, there will be some spoilers. Not because I've seen the film. Nobody who listens to the show that contributed to this episode has seen the film. However, we have watched all the trailers, or, or some of us have anyway, and I personally have watched all the production videos that have been released, so I've been kind of paying attention to what's coming up, what's coming out, what they've announced, all of that. So, there may be some spoilers about The Mummy if you're the kind of person that doesn't want to watch trailers because you don't want to get ruined or, well, spoiled. Heads up, I might let some cats out of the bag, some mummy cats out of the mummy bag. So that doesn't sound right. Mummy cats out of the sarcophagus. Also, we'll be talking about what's coming up in a couple of weeks. I guess it's three weeks from now. Monster backs we're going to be talking about. We'll get into that too. Anyway, first we have just general feedback, and that's coming up right after this. across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all. Gamera, the Invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera, the Invincible. Attention everyone! Hey, Gamera! Gamera, consuming raw atomic power. Power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera, the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera, the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera. The Invincible. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. 
What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. Oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. Huh, that sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm, we'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Volcanic fury of Vesuvius. From the ravaged city of Pompeii, across 2,000 years, comes one of the strangest mysteries of all time. The Curse of the Faceless Man. spanned the centuries, crossed the dividing line between yesterday and today, between the past and the present, even between life and death. Joe Iden here, just commenting on your last episode of Monster Kid Radio. Another great episode. I'm glad you had Dr. Dreck back on because I'd been meaning to check out Dr. Dreck and I, I finally did after listening to your last episode and I barely scratched the surface on it, but so far I've liked what I've checked out. So another great episode, man. You know, you mentioned The Mummy and um, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's kind of funny they started with The Mummy, this whole universal monster universe they're trying to create. Tom Cruise is good. I've liked his last bunch of movies, so um, I'm looking forward to it. I, am I excited about it? I don't know. I, I mean, I was excited for Star Wars Rogue One. I was excited for Kong Skull Island. I am excited for Justice League and the new Thor movie coming out later this year, even Wonder Woman. I think I'm just looking forward to The Mummy. I, I don't know what it is, but it, you know, from what I've seen so far in the trailers it's nothing i haven't we haven't seen before but i'm hope i'm way off base i'm hope it's really really good but uh i am looking forward to the mummy and i did not know russell crowe was playing dr jekyll i did not know that to listen to your show and i didn't spoil anything for me don't worry i did not know that that's interesting maybe it makes me want to see it a little bit more i want to talk a little bit more about the mummy and dark universe and my thoughts on it here in a little bit you know the trailer 
I, I know some of you guys and gals don't like to watch the trailers. I've been following along with the production videos and the teasers and the little bits here and there and all the news because I want to know what's going on with my precious monsters. And I know they're not mine per se. They're owned by Universal. But as a fan, as somebody who has put money in the pockets of Universal over and over and over again over the years as I double dip and triple dip buying VHS tapes and DVDs and Blu-rays of these movies, I, I feel I can say they're my monster movies a little bit, I guess. I, I don't know. I have really weird feelings about that, too, considering all the people that said that George Lucas messed up their Star Wars. But that's a much bigger conversation having to do with fandom. <laughs> I'm way off track already. And I'm just responding to the first part of your voicemail. I'm going to talk about Dark Universe and The Mummy here in a little bit. You mentioned the Monster Kid community. And you're right, man. It, it really is like nothing else. My entire life, I've had nothing but positive experiences by being a fan of these movies. Seriously. And I'm into a lot of different... I have a lot of hobbies. I try to get involved with some of them as much as I can, like outside of the hobby, interacting with other people. And, you know, there's always a couple of negatives. But really, with, with being a fan of these, these films, really, my entire life, it's nothing but been positive experiences. So I think you're right. It really is like nothing else. And I'm so glad to be a part of it in some small way, even if it's just being a fan. And I think shows like yours, when you talk about these films and keeping them alive and everything like that, and, and, and opening your show up to comments like, like recordings like I'm doing now, I, I, I think that's just terrific. You know? And I think it's just another, another voice in the fandom and i think that's fantastic and, and i think you're probably one of the best doing it right now like you i've been involved in other fandoms and fan communities as well and i hope that when i say things like the monster cube community is the most warm and most welcoming people don't think i'm disparaging these other groups because i've had amazing experiences in some of these other groups of fandom as well i mean i used to produce a zombie movie podcast before i did this one and i made a lot of really good friends through that and some of the people that you hear here on monster kid radio are people that i developed relationships and friends with because of my old zombie movie podcast i've been involved in comic book circles writing circles and just all these other things and i've met some incredible people and have had some incredible experiences the monster kid community you guys and gals are amazing now I announced last week that I'm going to be going to Monster Bash this year, and that wasn't going to happen if not for the efforts of a handful of you out there. I am still humbled and still blown away that that's going to happen. I am just speechless, and I'm a podcaster who loves to talk on the microphone, so that's incredibly difficult for me to deal with, but that the Monster Kid community came together and is supporting me through this and what led to my not being able to go to Monster Bash in the first place, or at least thinking I wasn't going to be able to go uh, with the death of my little brother and everything else. It's just mind blowing. And I've never had a negative interaction with anybody on Twitter or Facebook that are part of the Monster Kid Radio crowd. Uh, the listeners of this show, I've said it before, and I think people think I'm just kind of saying a thing. Maybe it's a tagline or, or I'm speaking in hyperboles. I'm not. The Monster Kid Radio listeners are the best podcast listeners in the world. You guys and gals are amazing. You know, I mentioned in my last uh, recording to you that uh, I spoke about Mystery Science Theater and poking fun at a lot of these movies. I just don't want you to get in the wrong impression. I respect and love the hell out of these movies, maybe as much as you do. And I always have my entire life. But I like, I like 
like Rift Tracks, Mystery Science Theater, I kind of think it's just another way to enjoy movies that I've loved my entire life. It's just another way to enjoy them, that's all. Because I think about this, whether it's a movie like Manos, or it's some other movie that you're watching that's just a chore to get through because it's really not all that good, it's boring, you don't like it, whatever. Whatever the genre is, whatever. Someone on that production gave it their all, okay? Whether it's the director, the writer, the, the prop master, the lighting, the guy that did the lighting, the composer, the, the actors. Somebody in that production, whether even if it's only one person, gave it their all. Everything they had, the best they could. And I respect that. So I don't want you to think that I don't respect these movies. I really do. I really, really do. I just, every once in a while, I like listening to that stuff because I just think it's a different way or another way to enjoy them. That's all. But, uh, again, another great episode, and uh, keep them coming, man, because, like I said, I've said it before, you got a big fan here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Take care, Derek. Bye. Hey, no worries, man. I, I don't think you were saying that you like to laugh at these movies because, ha-ha, look at those so far. No, I get it. And Mystery Science Theater is a thing, man. It is a pop culture force. It's a phenomena. It is responsible for bringing some people to these movies. Somebody that I've had on the show in the past repeatedly, one of my dearest friends, discovered a lot of the movies that we talk about here on Monster Kid Radio, or at least these kinds of movies, because of Mystery Science Theater 3000. So it is doing good things out there. And you know what? Who am I to tell you how to enjoy these movies? Really? The issues that I have with Mystery Science Theater 3000 when I'm on a down day about it is that I feel like it emboldens people to look at these movies through the lens of somebody who's going to laugh at them, who's going to poke fun at them. And I know that that's not everybody, but having been at enough screenings where this has happened, it is a little disheartening and frustrating. I love these films. I love Manos. I love Ega. I actually really dig Reptilicus. There are a number of these movies that MST3K grabs and uses to create their own content that I feel are really, really good. And I actually, I think I've talked about this before. I actually took a little bit of offense when they did This Island Earth as their big feature film because I felt like This Island Earth, this is a prestige picture. How dare you, sir, make fun of this film? Uh, I don't know. You know, some days I, I have an up feeling about MST3K, sometimes I don't. And I think that's okay. And I think it's okay if you dig them as well. I do feel like these movies, when you watch them, if you put yourself in the mindset like you do, like you said, of somebody who realizes that there is at least one person on the set who is putting their all into it, you kind of appreciate that on a level that just watching it to laugh at, you don't get at I I feel like I could put my foot in my mouth real easily here when it comes to talking about MST3K. So I'm going to stop. But I, I know you were saying that you were not saying that you just like to laugh at these movies. I, I get it. And I'm glad that it's out there for people to enjoy because ultimately the more monster movies that are out there in the pop culture uh, consciousness, the better, right? <laughs> Joe, thank you for calling in. I appreciate your feedback. I love hearing from you. Listeners, if you haven't listened to Joe Iden's podcast, it's the Fandom Radio Podcast. You can look it up on iTunes or go to the Podbean page at fandomradiopodcast.podbean.com. 
One of my favorite episodes that he's done recently was at the end of April. He did an episode on the Night Stalker, you know, the Kolchak series. Very cool episode. Go check it out and let him know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. It's a piece of skin, like leather. From all corners of the earth, they gather to study the mystifying frozen fossil, a reptilian tail that grows into a giant of terror. It's alive! It's loose! You have been invited here to see for yourselves one of the most amazing events in the annals of scientific history. Reptilicus, a monstrous massive beast whose astounding appearance causes panic. Reptilicus approaching the city. Repeat, Reptilicus approaching the city. This is Grayson. All units. Fire at will. Reptilicus, an annihilating mastodon, immune to all known weapons of warfare, creating chaos such as mankind has never before known. I got a message on Facebook from listener Chris C. And it's about MST3K. So here we go. Hello, good sir. I wanted to say fine work on another quality episode of MKR. I always appreciate the creative indie artists you have as guests and try to make it a point to check out their work later. As a relative newcomer to MKR, about a year or a little less now, your show has quickly become one of my few quote unquote must listens as soon as a new episode drops. Thank you, Chris. Now, this was a message that I got from him on Facebook near the beginning of May. So was it Chris Mim and Mitch Gonzalez that I had on at that point? And then we just had Michael Leggi on not too long ago. You know, I love having the writers, the artists, the filmmakers on the show. And I have a couple of other writers scheduled to be on future episodes of MKR. So stay tuned. All right, Chris continues. I wanted to offer my two cents on the MST3K topic. I personally consider MST3K to be one of, if not, my favorite show of all time, but I certainly understand why folks may not view it as fondly as I do. I think an open discussion would be quite interesting and might change some opinions. I've always had fond memories from when I was a kid taping MST3K Gamera marathons on Comedy Central and watching them over and over. In fact, I can probably credit MST3K marathons and the repeated checking out of the Godzilla Crestwood House book from my elementary school library as the two most important things that made me such a kaiju fanatic today. Even as a kid, I think I always believed the riffing was coming from a place of love, and I guess I just viewed it as being in line with the way you would rib a good friend. Plus, without the MST3K gang, would I have ever sought out and watched gems like Monstro Gogo? Hard to say. Anyway, I'm going to try to keep my first feedback brief, but I will make it a point to be a more active contributor to the MKR fandom in the future. I even submitted a future guest questionnaire a few weeks back. So again, fine work. You have made many a work commute or long plane ride a pleasant experience, and I look forward to plenty more quality MKR to come. Chris. Over at monsterkidradio.net, there is a link near the top along things like the Facebook page, Facebook group, the link to all the songs that appeared here on the show and so on. 
says be a guest on MKR, and it is a Google form that you can fill out if you want to be a guest on Monster Kid Radio. And admittedly, I'm a little behind on getting back to people, but I have a number of people that I want, well, all of you want to reach out to because the more the merrier, you know? And some of the ideas that Chris had to talk about here on the show sound awesome. So, Chris, I'll be getting in touch. Here's the thing about MST3K. You mentioned Gamera. I know that there are people who were first introduced to Gamera who are now huge Gamera fans that first discovered Gamera thanks to MST3K. So again, it's doing Godzilla's work, right? <laughs> Spreading the word about these movies. Monster Agogo is, as you said in your message, a quote-unquote gem. <laughs> you know, I love these films. I, I really do. Even what most people would consider bad films, I still enjoy. They're like comfort food to me. And like some comfort food, it might not be the most nutritious or healthy for you, but you love it just the same. And that's how I feel about a lot of these movies, even Monster or Go-Go. They're, they're comforting for me. I put them in and I feel like I'm wrapped up in a warm embrace of, well, everything that's warm and important. And I could get really broad here and start talking philosophically and, and maybe even start diving into what it means that I really enjoy and feeling the quote unquote nostalgia that I get from a film that was actually made before I was even born. How do I get nostalgia from that? I doesn't matter. I just love these movies so much. And those Crestwood house books were so formative and so important to me growing up. I would love to get my hands on the rest of these books. I know that you can sometimes find them on eBay and I've gotten a couple over the years I have the King Kong, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mad Scientists one in hardback. I've got a few others that people have sent to me over the years. The Godzilla one is one that I would love to get my hands on. However, every time I go looking for it, it looks like it's the most expensive of the bunch, and I don't know why that one is. It just is. I love that you love the show. I appreciate you downloading and supporting us here on Monster Kid Radio, Chris. And I will be in touch about having you on the show to talk about one of these movies. Because on the forum, you mentioned a kaiju film that I adore. And I would love to talk about it here on MKR. Go, go to this theater to see the science fiction picture to end all science fiction pictures. Did he or didn't he? Is he a monster or isn't he? Only his space agency knows for sure, and they won't tell. When the capsule comes down without the astronaut, everyone is on the go, including who or what did come down. Monster a go-go. Here's the picture that grabs the screen and shakes it. The picture that makes you wonder if the Earth is coming to an end right in the theater in front of you. Never in your life have you seen such a combination of happy, sad, good, bad, rock'em, sock'em action. When you walk out, you wonder what you've seen, because never has there been a motion picture like this. Monster a go-go, with a genuine 10-foot-tall monster to give you the whim-whams. Monster a go-go with astronauts and space capsules and pretty girls and cosmic radiation and pretty girls and screams and pretty girls. There's something for everyone in the picture they're all talking about. The picture with Go. Monster a go-go. Hello, Derek and Monster Kid Radio. This is Dr. Dan Green. Wanted to uh, call and... Uh, Congratulate you, as always, on doing 
excellent work there at Monster Kid Radio. I saw that you recently did a Invisible Man Returns episode, one of the Vincent Price episodes that you've covered, which, of course, I'm always a big fan of. That's a fun one with the continuing hijinks of the Griffin formula, this time injected on our boy Vincent. Uh, Jeffrey Radcliffe, I believe, was his character's name, of course. But uh, our boy Vincent, this time as the Invisible Man, always good stuff, man. And, and just wanted to call and say, enjoy the episode. Thanks so much, and uh, just keep up the good work, my friend. And uh, by the way, this was an especially timely episode, as it was Vincent's birthday this past Saturday. So happy birthday, Vincent Price. Long live Monster Kid Radio. Dr. Gangrene is the man. Check him out at drgangrene.com. And I believe he's got what we call a permalink around here over on the links section over at monsterkidradio.net. Of course, Larry's going to call in when we talk about Vincent Price. Vincent Price is his guy. You know, I love my John Agar. He loves his Vincent Price. Check out his still ongoing Fantastic Films of Vincent Price YouTube series. Just head over to YouTube. Check it out. He's been going through every single Vincent Price film from the very beginning. Now, he's way past The Invisible Man Returns, but... It's all really good stuff, so go check it out. Larry, thanks for calling in. I had a blast talking about The Invisible Man Returns, and I love the phrase that you used there. What was it? The Continuing Hijinks of the Griffin Formula. That sounds like the name of an album from one of the surf bands that I play here on the show. So, surf bands, you can use that. It's a freebie. The Continuing Hijinks of the Griffin Formula. And then, of course, yeah, Vincent Price's birthday, as well as Peter Cushing's. And Christopher Lee's all happened right there. Not all on the same day, but pretty darn close. One on one day and then the other two. How cool is that? What lives in this house? No one would want to live in Balpatar Manor. What stalks these halls? It's a cursed place. Yes, I saw the movie. What hides in these shadows? And who is playing that piano? (coughs) Welcome to the house of the long shadows. Home of mystery. Suspense. Danger. And now the four masters of horror are moving in. Vincent Price. We came here this evening to unlock the final door to our destiny. Christopher Lee. It would seem, Mr. McGee, that we are imprisoned here. Peter Cushing. It is all I have ever known. Fear. John Carradine. Death is our only true destiny. Joined by Desi Arnaz. You ain't seen nothing yet. House of the Long Shadows. The murderously funny mystery with a twist. Yes, I see what you mean. House of the Long Shadows. Vincent Price, that's me. Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, John Carradine, and Desi Arnaz. In a Golan Globus production of a Pete Walker film. House of the Long Shadows. So before we get into the rest of the feedback, just so you know, we are going to start talking about the mummy, the dark universe, the universal unite. I still don't know why nobody used that other than, well, myself. So if you don't want to hear about some of the things that we've heard about the mummy, you've been warned. Hey, Monster Kid Radio, it's Frank Schildener. I think I've been on your show once or twice, maybe three times before. Best known for my books, the Frankenstein books, as well as the forthcoming Napoleon's Vampire Hunters. Anyway, first, really enjoyed The Invisible Man Returns, uh, episode 318. Jeff Owens, really good stuff. Had a great time, and I even learned some stuff, which is even better. 
as the future right now, my everybody and myself's big thought were on the forthcoming Mummy sequel or remake or restart or retcon. I don't even know how to call this thing. I, I'm not sure how to even think about it. Uh, the commercials are getting less enjoyable for me. I'm seeing a lot more CGI, even though it's based on the Hammer version of the mummy, using a female mummy and all that. Um, seeing a lot of random CGI and a lot of silliness that doesn't really impress so far. And I'm really not loving what I'm seeing from Russell Crowe, who happens to be a favorite actor of mine in the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde role. He just kind of looks ridiculous. But I could be wrong. You know, I've been wrong in the past. I was wrong about the first time they remade it. I had a genuinely good time with the Brendan Fraser version because it was actually a little more like a Indiana Jones kind of movie. I wasn't too thrilled with the other two after that, though. Anyway, uh, got some hopes, but they're fading as time goes on. I have no idea what else is coming out in the horror realm. I'm not hearing particularly good things about the Alien movie from people I actually trust on the subject. So it's probably going to be a uh, HBO special on me when I'm tired and don't have any desire to change the channel. Anything else out there? Uh, nothing other than some videos that I'm looking forward to coming out from uh, abroad. Plus, there's a book I've just heard about today, Good Timing, on Paul Nashi and his werewolf movies. Uh, just heard about it today. It's a whole special book just devoted to it coming this summer. So maybe that's something we can all look into because, you know, I've got to love a, mo a series of movies about a werewolf who never dies and fights vampires. That's cool stuff. Anyway, uh, keep up the great work. I can never get enough of Monster Kid Radio. Frank Schildener out. Frank Schildener has been on the show in the past. He's a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine, and I will have him on the show in the near future. In fact, after he called in this voicemail, I immediately contacted him on Facebook and asked him, what was the name of that Paul Nashie book that he was talking about? He came back and told me it was called Human Beasts, The Films of Paul Nashie. It's from Wildside Press. I can't find anything about it online yet, so apparently it's so brand new, I can't find it in Google yet. Paul Nashie is somebody that I still don't know all that much about. I'm sorry, Rod, if you're listening, uh, but I still don't have a lot of Paul Nashy in me, but I need to. And then Frank and I started chatting about Paul Nashy, and he mentioned a Paul Nashy film that, well, I watched the trailer. I'm going to play it for you here in a second. And it sounds like something I need to talk about here on the show. So as far as the mummy goes, and I think this is going to be a through line through most of the other messages to hear from people here, is that we've got hopes for the mummy. Some of it looks a little silly. Some of it looks like a lot of CGI. Cautiously optimistic, of course. And some comments in comparison to the Brendan Fraser films. So the Brendan Fraser films, if you go into them thinking that they're not horror movies, you're gold. I mean, they really do feel like Indiana Jones films, especially the first one. The second one has not aged very well and not just because of the really bad CGI turning the rock into the Scorpion King at the end. Oh, and the third one, you know, actually I never saw, but the first two anyway, I saw, and yeah, they're more roller coasters than anything else. There's not really a lot of horror to them. I can see that maybe there's going to be some elements from those movies in what's coming up with the mummy and, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here as well. In fact, why don't we do that in a second? 
Coming soon to this theater, a ghastly, ghoulish, and totally incredible motion picture. The Werewolf versus the Vampire Woman. Satan's favorite mistress. Werewolves and vampires will reign supreme, and things will happen that have never been seen by human beings. Your blood will boil and your flesh will crawl. No one can escape the vampires, and no one can run from the werewolves. If you can take it, see the most sensational fight to the finish ever filmed. See the werewolf versus the vampire woman. Hey, Derek and everyone out there in Monster Kid Radio Land. This is Chris McMillan from the Shadow Over Portland uh, calling in on the feedback episode. You might hear me uh, cut in and out every now and then um, only because I'm at my day job and I'm taking my lunch break. And what better way to spend your lunch break than to be talking monsters? So if I break off and come back, sorry about that. It's just someone walked by and there was going to be an unusual amount of noise, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, let's get to the feedback. I don't really have much, unfortunately, because you're doing such a good job out there, Derek, in uh, the Monster Kid Laboratory. You've been knocking it out of the park ever since you started with Monster Kid Radio. Great guests, great topics. You know, I can't wait till Thursday morning because when I'm at my day job, I get at least an hour and a half by myself and I can listen to MKR and that just makes my day. So keep up the great work. Enough feedback on that. But what I do want to talk about is the dark universe. Oh, here comes someone. Okay, I'm back. It's always fun getting to look like dark universe what the heck is he talking about anyway the dark universe the universal shared monster verse or whatever they're doing i'm trying to stay positive i'm trying to stay positive not get negative um i don't want to go in with any expectations but i'm getting very nervous honestly that they really don't know what they want to do with the dark universe it it, it stems from previous history, you know, the idea of Dracula Untold being the start of the Dark Universe. Oh, that didn't work out so well. We're going to try something else. Hey, look, we've got the mummy. And now they're going to be releasing The Bride of Frankenstein, uh, which, you know, okay, fine. Um, They've got a director who's at least got some horror creds. Billy Condon, I think is how you pronounce his name. I don't know. But, I mean, he did direct Gods and Monsters. He directed Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh. He wrote the films Strange Invaders and Strange Behavior, so, I mean, at least he knows what he's talking about with monsters. But there's a few issues. It's being released on Valentine's Day of 2019, which is fine. And and he's got 
you know, some experience dealing with romance and monsters, because you know that's what it's going to turn out into. Um, you know, because he directed Beauty and the Beast, and so, you know, the live-action version. So, of course, they figure, hey, you know, that movie's made a billion dollars. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's a Disney relaunch, but, you know, we're going to have him uh, come in and hang on. Where was I? Oh, yes, he directed uh, Beauty and the Beast, you know, and like I said, it made a billion dollars, which had everything to do with him and nothing to do with the fact that it was a live-action remake of one of the most beloved animated movies of recent decades. But, you know, let's not go into that. The thing is, he also directed Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. Now, I'm not getting on an anti-Twilight tirade. Twilight wasn't made for us monster kids. It was made for an entirely different audience, but that's causing me some concern because of the release date, you wonder if they're really going to play for the monster kids or if they're going to play for the audience that was drawn to the Twilight movies. And I'm back again. Man, you just can't find a quiet place around here. Anyway, as I said, I'm a little nervous that they're going to be playing towards the Twilight crowd. But a more immediate concern is the mummy is actually ripping off Universal's original Mummy remake from 1999. Now, I haven't seen all the stuff that's released on YouTube. I like to go into movies with as few spoilers as possible. Um, But that being said, you know, having gone to a few movies this year, I've been exposed to the Mummy trailer. And there is one trailer out there where we get the shot of our new Mummy's face coming out of the fog, and it's like, oh my god, you know, you did it twice, once in uh, the 1999, The Mummy, where The Mummy's face is in the sandstorm, and then you redid it in 2001 with The Mummy Returns, only its face is in a big wave of water, and now you're doing it with fog. I mean, why are you ripping yourselves off? I mean, don't you have anything new? other than a whole lot of CGI action sequences, which it really doesn't look like. Before I go any further, I also have to mention, I should have mentioned this, well, it's another concern. They're setting it in modern times, which brings up modern warfare, modern weapons of war. How are they going to work against the magical creature? I mean, probably pretty well, you know. A nuclear bomb? Doesn't even have to come close. You know, sure, you wipe out London, take everybody up, and a, a supernatural creature threatening the world? Well, you know, there's you have to address that. You know, and Shin Godzilla did a very good job of it, for those of you who haven't seen that yet. You know, what do you do with modern weapons against a monster? So you're going to have to face that. But the fact that they're ripping themselves off really and, and trying to go, hey, you know, if you like this, that first Mummy movie, you're going to like this one. Because, look, we have the same shot really is really annoys me. Now, I know they've only announced uh, The Bride of Frankenstein. As far as I know, you know, they still haven't done a whole lot. I mean, they've got Johnny Depp pegged as the Invisible Man. A little nervous about that, depending on if they have a director who can rein his craziness in, because part of the problem he's had with Tim Burton and some of his other movies with it, you know, that aren't with director Tim Burton is the fact that he's got such pull that he can say, I want to do this, and you have to do it. You know, I mean, there was the whole thing with how 
aside from him playing Tonto, how Tonto looked in the, the remake of The Lone Ranger was based on his idea. Um, the new Pirates of the Caribbean movie was apparently supposed to have a female antagonist. The villain was supposed to be a woman, but Johnny Depp felt that I've already done a, a movie with a female villain earlier. I think it was Dark Shadows he was referring to. Uh, so let's make it a man. I don't want to do two female villains in a row. So, you know, he's got a lot of pull. And if no one's there to say no, it's going to be ins- insanely bad. So anyway, I do have problems with that. You know, we've got Dr. Jekyll, um, you know, but they haven't announced anything but Bride of Frankenstein, which kind of indicates to me that they got burned on Dracula Untold. I think that's the name of it. Gosh, I have to check now. But anyway, let's go with it. The Dracula movie. <laughs> Gosh, I put that one out of my mind for a while, except for the giant fisto bats. Anyway, they got burned on Dracula, so they want to see if the mummy works. And if it doesn't, then they're going to have to revamp again. Well, Universal... I have a solution. This is what you probably should have done, but this is if Tom Cruise's you know fan base doesn't pull through and the mummy doesn't do well, here's how you take care of that. You pull Bride of Frankenstein because you're going to need some time to think about it. 2019 will be the 20th anniversary of the Brandon Fraser, um, Rachel Weiss movie, The Mummy. So you go to Fathom Events, who is the group that does a lot of the riff tracks and MST3K events in theaters. They also do classic movies. You get them involved, and you're going to release The Mummy in a 20th anniversary extravaganza. But you're also going to have special news about the dark universe, and that news is going to be a teaser trailer, and here's how it goes. Takes place... 1950s, we can tell by the cars, as a young couple, man and a woman, running down the streets of London. You might not be able to tell it's London, but that's okay. The man's basically dragging, carrying this woman who's holding a bloodied handkerchief to her neck, right? As they're running down the streets, we cut to a shot overhead uh, from the other side of the street on the rooftop, and there are these shadowy winged figures standing watching, and one figure, as we pan across comes into view wearing a cape with a large cowl. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Anyway, we cut back to street level, and the guy goes, there it is, not much further. Come on, come on, hon. And, you know, they run up the stairs to this house and start banging on the door. The guy's yelling, help, help, help. Door opens, and all that comes out is a hand holding a revolver. And the guy goes, no, 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 you have to help us. You have to help us. And the revolver gets cocked. And the guy goes, we're being chased by monsters, vampires. You have to believe me. We need your help. You're the only ones who can help us. And we hear a voice go, vampires. Door opens, and there's Rick. Brandon Fraser, once again. Yeah, looking a little older, but remember, the mummy was set in the 1920s. We're in 1950s now, so he can look a little older. That's fine. And he goes, "Uh, yeah, I think we can handle vampires. And then... You know, behind him, you see this hallway, and out comes Rachel Weiss playing Evie, and she's holding a book and goes, well, you know, mummies are really our forte. And Rick goes, mummies, vampires, what's the difference? You know, as the couple comes in and he shuts the door, the windows blow open, and these 
winged figures come in, and they're obviously man-bad vampire type things. Brandon Fraser looks, you know, surprised and goes, well, obviously there is a lot of a difference, and starts firing at the uh, vampire things. And we get some quick cuts, you know, of mayhem and violence, you know, violence and all that. Things are not looking good for our heroes. Evie is in a corner reading from the book. Rick has almost got his face getting mauled by a vampire, and he calls out, Evie, we need that backup now. Evie dramatically finishes reading from the book, and all of a sudden there's this loud boom, and everything stops, and all the vampires turn, and the camera focuses on a bookshelf. Another boom, and the books fall off as the bookshelf bows forward. Third boom, bookshelves are destroyed. Books fly everywhere, wood splinters fly everywhere, and out of this little hidden passageway comes a mummy. And Evie looks at the mummy, points at the vampires, and yells, attack, in Egyptian, of course, but, you know, subtitled, cut to black. Title, Dracula versus the Mummy. Come back after, you know, that, and it's Brandon Fraser and everybody leaning against the wall, and the young man says, I thought you fought monsters. And Fraser goes, well, when you're battling monsters, it's nice to have a few on your side. Black, coming date. That's how you should do it. Hey, this has gone on pretty long. I don't know how long. But anyway, yeah, that's how I would do the Universal Monster mashup. Chris McMillan from The Shadow over Portland. Again, his link is also in the PERMA links section of the site. He's been with the show from the very beginning. He was on episode number one. And I got to get him on the show again, man. I think that's going to be a common thing you hear. So I'm just going to keep talking about how I want to have people on the show. But that's not why you're here. You're here to hear about The Mummy. And I love Chris's idea for The Mummy. Now, it, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, Chris. And I'm sorry, listeners. I It just won't. Uh, Brendan Fraser doesn't make those kinds of movies anymore. He actually took a step back from Hollywood for, for a long time. There was, I believe, even a petition over at Change.org to get him back on the big screen since he started doing a little bit of TV work for like Showtime and that sort of thing. I just don't see it happening. But I love your idea. What you described sounds awesome. And I would love to see a Dracula versus Mummy movie. That would be brilliant. I hope. Well, maybe if you're writing it, it would be brilliant. As far as the next film in the Dark Universe cycle, Bride of Frankenstein being released on Valentine's Day. You know, I did some checking and... Right around Valentine's Day, it doesn't seem to be a very popular release date for horror films. There were a couple. Valentine, which starred uh, the guy from Angel, forget his name, that came out at the beginning of February. And the original slasher film from 81, Valentine's Day, no, My Bloody Valentine, that's it, that came out right around Valentine's Day as well. But those were kind of gimmicky. Traditionally, you just don't see a lot of monster movies, horror movies around that time, even if they're promoting a movie like Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 as the ultimate love story. So I don't know what they're thinking there. Bill Condon, I really like as a director, not because I've seen his Twilight films, but because of the film you mentioned, Gods and Monsters, starring Brendan Fraser. It's such a good movie. The music is gorgeous. Of course, I'm going to harp on the music, but the performances are amazing. And the way that he weaves universal monster history into the history of James Whale and everything else going on there, even the nods to the invisible man when he asks Brendan Fraser to kill him or make him invisible. I mean, that's just brilliant and moving filmmaking and i probably just spoiled a big part or at least one scene of that film if you haven't seen of gods and monsters you need to see it 
And actually, I'm calling it Of Gods and Monsters. It's just Gods and Monsters. It came out in 1998. It's available on DVD right now. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray or not. But if it is, yo to yourself. You got to check it out. Also features an amazing performance by Ian McKellen as James Whale. Brilliant stuff. Interesting that we're going to get this guy who did this biopic, kind of sort of. It's a fictionalized biopic. But this biopic of James Whale doing the Bride of Frankenstein film. And I have read some things online about how Bride of Frankenstein is going to be a a feminist film. I don't know what that means, how they're going to do that. Maybe by skipping ahead to Bride of Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein's monster. That's, that's kind of a way to kind of angle towards that. Although if you read the original Mary Shelley novel, Bride of Frankenstein, the bride is in that story is in that book. So maybe it's not a stretch that we're just going to call it Bride of Frankenstein. I do find it interesting that you might see the universal monster movies, the dark universe, not necessarily all being of the horror variety that you might have an action movie in the vein of mission impossible with the mummy or this feminist film. Who knows what that means with bride of Frankenstein. They kind of sort of do that with the Marvel movies a little bit, although it's not as pronounced you have the Captain America movies being shot more like a war or action adventure movie, whereas Avengers is more of a sci-fi than, you know, whatever Thor is. So I don't know. Will it work? We'll see. But man, it would be awesome to see what you described. <laughs> Sometimes you need a monster to fight a monster. Brilliant. And your modern weapons against a monster. How do you? Uh, yeah. Um, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, right? Derek, this is Jeff Owens from ClassicHorrors.club and the Classic Horrors Club podcast. I don't have any feedback per se, but after posting some less than positive comments about the upcoming Dark Universe films, I think it's time for a mental reset. We know that the new Mummy, Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man, and possibly Creature from the Lagoon will not feature the classic movie monsters in the form that we know and love. And we know that these movies are going to be very different from the classic Universal Monster movies of the 30s and 40s. We shouldn't expect them to be the same. They're not going to ruin the reputation of the great films that came before. I'm kind of excited that the monsters are returning at all. Think how awesome it is that they're trying to build a shared monster universe. If the movies are successful and bring a new generation to monster movies, then they're worth it. It's like when Tim Burton made Dark Shadows in 2012. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but it says something that the saga of Barnabas and the Collins family was even in the public awareness nearly 50 years after it first aired. 
these new versions help keep the old ones alive. I'm going to try to judge the new Dark Universe movies on their own merit. Yeah, The Mummy looks like it's going to rely on action and explosions, but I'm going to try to focus on the story and hope it's creative in laying the groundwork for future chapters. If I don't like it, it might be because I don't generally like movies that rely on action and explosions. But I may very well like it if it's just entertaining and fun. It's really hard these days to check your expectations at the door. But I feel like if we could do that with these movies, we might be glad that they're making them. I like how you put it, Jeff, a mental reset. I think that's kind of what you have to do when it comes to these films. Again, and I said this earlier, I feel like they're partly my movies, although I really shouldn't because they're not. I'm just somebody who consumed these movies. I don't have any real ownership over them. Although I have ownership over my own personal fandom of them, so does that spill? I, who knows? You said that these movies shouldn't ruin the reputation of the originals, and you're right. The argument has long been that remakes do not ruin the original movies, that the original movie is still right there on your shelf on VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever. And you're right. My biggest issue when it comes to remakes is that it doesn't ruin the original, but it does dilute the shared pop culture we have with the original. I just started listening to the audible version of Stephen King's Dance Macabre. I read this book years ago, and it's an interesting book. It's his take on the horror film and fiction industry at the time. And the audible version includes a newer essay, a more modern forward. And he talks about some of the more modern movies that he's seen and he's enjoyed. And he goes on and on and on about liking the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2004. Well, I disagree with Stephen King on almost all of his points. But the thing that I find interesting is that <laughs> he confirms an argument that I've long had about that movie is that you don't know who the characters are. You just don't care because it's, you know, Ving Rhames or, or the actress Sarah Polly. You never remember the characters' names. And, you know, when you talk about Dawn of the Dead, now you have to talk about whether or not it's the original or the remake. And, you know, I just don't like that that's happened. So get off my lawn. No, just... <laughs> Anyway, you will see what happens. I do like that there's more public awareness of these monster movies, well, in the public, and maybe it'll motivate Universal to dust some of these prints off and maybe give us some new transfers. We kind of sort of almost saw that happen when they did Van Helsing. Sort of, maybe, who knows? If we'll see that happen this time around, I don't expect these movies to be the same. I mean, they're contemporary films to go back to what Chris was saying about using modern weaponry, modern technology. You can't have a mummy movie like we had in the forties or in the thirties now because the technology is so different. It just wouldn't work. So you, you can't do that. You've got to kind of change it up a little bit, but this does feel a lot more like an action movie than anything else. You mentioned Dark Shadows, the film, the Tim Burton film with Johnny Depp. I love the music in that, but if I'm going to talk about Dark Shadows here on this show, it's going to be about the original uh, TV series. It's probably a little while off because when I do do that, well, we're going to want a big chunk of time because there's over a thousand episodes of that puppy to talk about. It could be true, you know. There could actually be a man named Barnabas Collins. And he could actually be a real vampire. House of Dark Shadows from MGM. See how the vampires do it. Rated GP, all ages, parental guidance. Hey, Derek, this is Richard the Monster Movie Kid. It's been a while since I called into Monster Kid Radio, so I thought, what the heck? I thought I'd 
give you a holler and let you know uh, kind of what's going on on my end here, things I've got coming up this summer, and uh, kind of a few thoughts on the upcoming Mummy film. Why don't we start there? That's a good place to start. I'm cautious. I'm very cautious going into this film. I think we've seen that Universal really hasn't knocked the proverbial ball out of the park with their recent monster efforts. I've liked films like Van Helsing and The Wolfman um, a lot better, I think, than others have. And that's mostly because I can usually find something good in just about every film that I watch, with very rare exceptions. That said, um, I like Tom Cruise. A lot of people don't like Tom Cruise. A lot of people can't differentiate Tom Cruise, the actor, from Tom Cruise, the Scientologist. I don't have a problem doing that. I usually like a good Tom Cruise film. Is he the right guy for The Mummy? I don't know. This certainly looks like it's a departure from what we've seen in the past. For some reason, there's elements of Brendan Fraser that seems to be coming through a little bit, but I wonder um, you know, what we're going to be getting with this film. I'm interested in it. Definitely going to check it out next week. That said... I'm going in with pretty low expectations. I mean, this is definitely going to be the start of the universe. I like Russell Crowe. Again, some people don't. I do. So I'm interested in what he's bringing to the table. I've seen some of the other casting announcements. Was it Javier Bardem is going to be in it? Not really sold on Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. Look, I love Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow, but... I think that he's kind of a one-trick pony right now, and I fear that he's going to bring more of that into the role of the Invisible Man, and I'm not sure that that's what the world needs. And uh, I've heard the rumors about Angelina Jolie as the bride of Frankenstein, and that just doesn't excite me in any way, shape, or form. So I don't know. And I can't remember the actor who, who's been announced as, as potentially doing the Frankenstein monster, or is it Dr. Frankenstein? I really, you know, I try don't try to go to, into spoiler territory much anymore with a lot of films. I want to go into films knowing probably the least amount I can so that I'm, you know, genuinely surprised when I see something up on the big screen. In any case, I'll check it out. I'm curious, see what it has to offer. Okay, that said, what's going on on my end? Well, I think we can kind of let part of the, the, the cat out of the bag. This is something that you and I have been working on behind the scenes. This is something that um, Stephen D. Sullivan and Jeff Owens has been involved in as well. There is a special edition of the Basement Sublet of Horror magazine coming out, making its debut at the 20th annual Monster Bash in a few weeks. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. This is a, an issue entirely devoted to the films of Christopher R. Mim, the Mimiverse, if you will. It's, it's looking really good. I haven't seen it in my grubby little hands yet. Um, I will be seeing it probably within the next week and a half. But it is about 30 minutes away from me right now. It's the, They're sitting in a box waiting to be read, waiting to be discovered. I'm looking forward to it. Um, the cover is just an amazing piece of artwork from a local artist by the name of Dan Rempel. I think it's going to be very, very cool. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to uh, to seeing your work. Uh, I know you, you did an interview with uh, Christopher and, and Mitch 
Stephen D. Sullivan, uh, our good friend, Mr. Sullivan, he did a fantastic very long and lengthy article on the films in the Memoverse. Jeff uh, did an article on the uh, the first film, as well as the uh, the recent, uh, well his recent trip to see the musical. I offer up my thoughts on uh, where Skeeto, Nazi Hunter, and and being present for the world premiere of that last September. I think it's going to be a fantastic magazine, and uh, there will be a limited number of copies available at the Monster Bash uh, for a very reasonable price. And uh, once those are sold, that's it. Uh, they'll be at uh, the Memiverse table exclusively. And I say that that's it. That's all that's going to be there at Monster Bash. Uh, so there is a limited number. So you want to get there early to get your copies. Uh, beyond that, uh, there'll be some copies available here in the Kansas City metro area. And uh, at the Free State Comic Con in October. And they will be available... I'm pretty certain they're going to be available through IndiePlanet.com, so um, uh, digital and print-on-demand. Anyway, that's coming up. Uh, I'll be hyping it up on my website. I'm sure you'll be talking about it. I'm sure that uh, Jeff over at uh, Classic Horus Club will be talking about it. We'll be talking about it over at the Classic Horus Club podcast, and I'm sure Steve will be hyping it up over his site as well. And I'm pretty certain uh, Christopher will be doing it at the Memiverse site. So a lot going on. Uh, in regards to that, it's, I think it's going to be a pretty exciting time. I'm going to cut Rich off here because he's got a lot more to say, but I want to comment on well, his comments. Yeah, again, cautiously optimistic. Van Helsing, I mentioned it a second ago. I thought it was okay. I saw it once. I don't think I need to go back and see it again. I didn't actively dislike it like a lot of people did. And I have listened to the score over and over again. It's great music by Alan Silvestri, and it's got some interesting visuals. What they did with the character of Van Helsing, I, meh, whatever. And the Wolfman, the 2010 is that when they came out film again i listen to the score more than anything else it's wonderful music by danny elfman but it's not one of those things that sticks with me is Cruz the right guy for the mummy he likes to run and this movie looks like it's got a lot of action so a lot of opportunity for him to run right it does feel like fraser is coming through brendan fraser is coming through in this and for better or worse. I mean, that's just a thing, right? Now, I've heard the rumors about Angelina Jolie as Bride of Frankenstein, just like I've heard the rumors about Scarlett Johansson being the female lead when they get around to doing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Nothing solid, of course. It's just kind of talk. Javier Bardem will be the monster, the Frankenstein monster in Bride of Frankenstein. That has been confirmed. And Johnny Depp has been confirmed as the Invisible Man when they get around to doing that one. Depp's acting these days, I agree with you. Very one-trick pony, but... Was it Scott and Tracy that my wife and I were talking with about Johnny Depp that when he's an indie guy, when he's making indie films, he seems to actually be acting when, when he does the blockbuster films, he's Johnny Depp, the guy who seems to take a lot of inspiration from Marlon Brando in his later years. You know what I mean? We'll we'll see. I'm glad you mentioned the magazine, the basement sublet of horror magazine coming out at monster bash yeah, I was honored to be part of that in an interview with Christopher R. Mim and Mitch Gonzalez by me is in there and you gave a rundown of everything else. The cover art listeners, I cannot emphasize this enough. The cover art of that magazine by Dan Rempel is awesome. I mean, it's really good. If you are interested in Wereskito Nazi Hunter, Chris's movie, if you've seen it, if you're just want to know what it's about or what the monster looks like, get your hands on the magazine and check out the cover because the artwork is amazing. All right, back to his voicemail. Uh, A little closer to home, Jeff and I are having a lot of fun with the Classic Horse Club podcast. 
Um, I know you've you've mentioned us on your show before, and I thank you for that. Uh, our once monthly podcast, where we're sitting down talking about films, is a lot of fun. We just uh, completed an episode on Willard and Ben. So depending on when your episode goes live, it will either be out right before or right after our podcast is available. So I think that'll be uh, definitely something everyone will enjoy. As far as the blog goes, you know, I'm doing Kansas City Cinephile as the main site, kccinephile.com. And then, of course, monstermoviekid.wordpress.com is still alive and well. I'm going to be doing something fun this summer. Uh, I've been really cranking out a lot of mainstream movie reviews because I've been, uh, well, essentially I'm, I'm up to be nominated for acceptance into the Kansas City Film Critics Circle. Uh, there's a certain number of requirements. I'm going to be awful close on them. So worst case scenario, I don't make it this year. I'll have to wait another year, but at least they'll get to know who I am. And uh, I feel fairly confident that you know if I don't get in this year, uh, with any luck, I'll get in next year. So with that said, I don't want to curse it. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything more about it. But I hopefully will have some good news to to relay there. Once that kind of dies down and it's on the verge of dying down, I'm going to be doing uh, a couple of things over at the KC Cinephile site. Uh, the Hitchcock Journey that I started back in January, where I'm taking a look at every single film in the filmography of the legendary Alfred Hitchcock. The Hitchcock Journey is going to kick off again. It's been kind of quiet the last couple of months. I've been busy, but uh, I'm going to make Tuesdays the official Hitchcock Day of the Week uh, will kick up again on Tuesday, June 6th with the 1930 film Juno and the Paycock uh, as we start uh, finally going through the Hitchcock sound films of the 1930s. And uh, my goal is to have one Hitchcock movie reviewed per week on Tuesdays. And then last year, I did something fun. I did the Summer of Forgotten Horror, where I just took a stack of films and reviewed one a week. And I'm going to do the same this year. I'm going to call it the Sci-Fi Horror Fest 2017. A lot of sci-fi films in here. But uh, I think Thursdays are going to be the magical day where I'm going to take a look at these films. And you're getting the exclusive. Here's a, a sneak peek at some of the films I'll be covering this summer. Uh, Gold from 1934, The Magnetic Monster, Curse of the Faceless Man, The Flying Saucer, Stranger from Venus, The Cosmic Man, The Bubble, The Deadly Bees, The Monster of Pedras Blancas, It Came from Outer Space, The Space Children, The Human Duplicators, and a couple of brand new to Blu-ray releases, Kaltiki, The Immortal Monster, and From Hell It Came. I'm looking forward to finally making my way through that nice stack of films this summer on the Sci-Fi Horror Fest 2017 over at KC Cinema com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. All right, I think that's all the shameless plugs I've got. You know, Derek, you're knocking it out of the park each and every episode. I'm a few episodes behind, I'll admit, but uh, I just wrapped up your interview with uh, Christopher R. Mim and Mitch Gonzalez, and man, I just have a lot of fun listening to those guys talk, listening to you talk to them. Uh, I've met Christopher a couple of times, looking forward to seeing him here in about a month at the Monster Bash, and I look forward to finally meeting you, sir, face-to-face, -face, finally, after all these years at the Monster Bash again in, in less than a month. I am excited. I'm going to have a lot of time. Jeff and I are going to fire up uh, the Monster Movie Kidmobile. 
I don't know what you want to call it. But we're going to be taking the trek cross country to Mars, Pennsylvania, and we'll be seeing you there. And it's going to be a lot of fun uh, getting to see uh, Juan from the B-Movie cast, Christopher and Mitch. And uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of other people I'm looking forward to meeting from the B-Movie cast family. Uh, maybe Barry Harding's going to be there. Maybe Steve Sullivan. Uh, I think Nick Brown's going to be there from the B-Movie cast. So I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun finally making it there after all these years. Um, with that said, if anyone out there from uh, Monster Kid Radio Land is going to be at the Monster Bash, hey, look me up. I don't know what I'll be wearing, but uh, you can't miss me. <laughs> I'll be wandering around. Uh, find me on Facebook. You know what I look like. Introduce yourself. I look forward to meeting people. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, I'm past the 10-minute mark. You wanted feedback, sir. I gave you some shameless plugs and some feedback, and I uh, look forward to listening to this episode and future episodes. Episodes as well. You're always knocking it out of the park. You are a gentleman and a scholar, and I count you as one of my dear friends, and I'm looking forward to one of those infamous hugs from you in about a month. Sir, take care. Please tell Miss Brand hello, and uh, we will talk to you and see you very, very soon. Hitchcock Tuesday. Hook me up. I'm there. At the Sci-Fi Horror Fest. That sounds awesome. I was furiously taking notes as you were going through all the titles. And I've seen most of these. Uh, the standouts, of course, are The Magnetic Monster, one of my favorite Richard Carlson films, and The Monster of Piedras Blancas. That movie does not get enough love. I don't care whether it's on Blu-ray or not. That movie is amazing. Good luck with what's happening with the Kansas City Film Critics Circle. I hope you get in. And The Bash. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, Nick Brown will be at the Monster Bash. He told me when I recorded with him, he's going to be on an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. So, yes, he will be at the Bash. I will be at the Bash. You'll be at the Bash. Jeff will be at the Bash. There's a lot of folks that are going to be at the Bash. And yeah, I got a lot of hugs I've been working on and building up. So I'm a hugger. I'm coming for you, Rich. It sounded a little more threatening than I meant it to, but I do have a hug that's been building up, man. You and I have known each other for years back when you were Richard from Wichita, man. That's, it's been a while. I cannot wait to meet you in person as well as Jeff and everybody else and, and all of you who were involved in helping to get me there. Again, I don't know who you all are, but when I do, I'm coming for you too with a hug or handshake or maybe a head nod. I don't know. Cup of coffee. Something. Famous Monsters of Hollywood magazine names it Shock Award winner The Monster of Piedras Blancas The Monster of Piedras Blancas The world's most shocking monster Stalks its unsuspecting prey Feasts its eyes on the next victim to writhe in its slimy arms The screen's most nightmarish beast. A claw-fingered, scaly-skinned, half-human crustacean turning a lonely lighthouse village into a frenzied bedlam of blood-curdling horror. Never have you known such cringing terror, such drawn by love to the forbidden cove of the sea monster, then trapped in a torment of unendurable suspense. In the screen monsterama of a thousand incredible... See the movie named the most brain-paralyzing shock story of them all, The Monster of Piedras Blancas. Hello. 
This is Dwight Kemp, a master of mystery and the author of Who Framed Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi and the House of Doom, and the Vampire's Tomb Mystery. <clears throat> Tonight I would like to give feedback on uh, the upcoming Universal Horror Dark Universe thing that they're putting together. I have my doubts about this, particularly the upcoming Mummy movie, which is a movie about a mummy but has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the classic mummy movie with Boris Karloff. It doesn't even have anything to do with Claris or Karis. It has nothing to do with Imhotep. It's basically just a female version of the mummy movie with a mummy that's able to uh, create a sandstorm that looks like the mummy. And it's also basically a ripoff of Indiana Jones. So, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know where they're going with this. I don't know why they're doing it this way, apart from the fact that Universal seems to be absolutely clueless about their monster properties. I'm rather interested in the idea that Angelina Jolie is going to be playing the Bride of Frankenstein. But on the other hand, we haven't even had Frankenstein yet, so we're going to start with the sequel? Okay. Is the monster going to be anything like Karloff's monster? Is Angelina Jolie going to be anything like Elsa Lanchester? Who knows? I just wish that they would do their homework and actually watch their own movies over there at Universal Studios. I, I honestly don't think these people have a clue about their own history of classic horror. So it's not really horror. It's an, it's an action-adventure. It's action-adventure films with monsters in it. So I don't know. I'm going to cross my fingers, but I, I'm really having my doubts about where this is going. Dwight is also somebody who's going to beat the Monster Bash series. He's got a vendor table. He'll be selling his books. And, you know, I love promoting my fellow Monster Kid writers and their books. And Dwight's books are a blast. And you can tell him I said so. Anyway, you know... You're right. It's a mummy. It's not the mummy. It's not Boris Karloff's character. It's not Tom Tyler's or Lon Chaney Jr.'s or ah, who was the guy who was in the Abbott and Costello film? I forget. But it's not those guys. It's, it's a completely different mummy. And it does seem to be hewing very close to the Frasier film. And I, I wonder, you know, just given how Hollywood and the big budget studios work, I wonder if that's intentional. More people are going to be more familiar with the Brendan Fraser films, general public wise than the Boris Karloff film. And that image of the female mummy's face kind of coming through, is it fog or rain in this one? I'm sure intentionally looks like the mummy's face in the sand in the first film. You know, as long as we don't get some sort of weird lopsided Dwayne the Rock Johnson as a CGI Scorpion King, I'm okay with that. I love my mummy movies. I think she looks great as a mummy, although the double pupil thing looks really weird and I hope that's explained a little bit. We'll see. 
Now, listeners, his voicemail continued, but Google voicemail has a hard three-minute limit, and it cut him off just as he was talking about how Universal was the originator of the shared universe, and he's absolutely right. With Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, they established, boom, they're the first cinematic shared universe, and that continued with House of Frankenstein and House of Dracula, and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and if you really kind of squint at them a little bit, maybe some of the other Abbott and Costello films, maybe. If you've read Return of the Wolfman by Jeff Robin. Anyway, I love that they're a shared universe. I want some shared universes when they work well, when they work correctly. And that's something that I ended up speaking with Dominique Lamsey's about earlier today when I was recording with her for an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. You're going to hear her in about a month or so here on the show when she and I talk about the 1943 Universal film, The Phantom of the Opera. But while we were recording, I figured I had her on the line. Let's see what she has to say about the dark universe. Yeah, I could see that. Have you seen the, boy, we're way off track, but have you seen the Dark Universe uh, sizzle reel? No, I haven't. Are are you interested at all in what they're doing with the the mummy or anything like that? Kind of. Yeah? I I don't know, because I I saw it like Dracula Untold, and I was like, wow, this sucks. (laughs) But it it had Luke Evans in it, and he's really hot with fangs, so I was okay Okay. with that. Okay. <laughs> Another reason why I like getting new voices on MKR. You get totally different perspectives. I, I would have never said that myself. So thank you, Dominique, for bringing that to the table. <laughs> it kind of bugged me because it's like, even if the movie maybe wasn't that good, they started to build the world with all this other stuff that was going on. Uh-huh. And then they're just like, no, we're, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing this. And that, as a writer, that bugs me. Yeah, it, it feels like, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, I'm more aware of it, and, and I, I see it happening now, and Hollywood's not making movies for my age group and my demographic anymore, but I do seem to th- see the time between reboots or, or starting over becoming shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. You know, like the Spider-Man movies being an example, and then, of course, what's happening with Dracula Untold, because it was going to be part of it. I mean, it wasn't going to, and then it was, and then it wasn't, and then it was, and then it bombed, <laughs> and they said no, and they're starting over completely. But then they keep interviewing Luke Evans, who says, oh, yeah, I'll come back, sure, no problem. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see The Mummy. I'm just going to see it. Sure. I freaking – I watch Dracula Untold in theaters and I just walked into the theater being like, I'm going to hate myself when this is over. Oh no. But I saw it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm totally going to see The Mummy. But it's just like, come on guys. I don't know. Why does everything have to have a shared universe? Well, that's Marvel's fault, isn't it? I know. It Marvel is- made all that money. How dare they? <laughs> See, the yeah. only one I'm looking forward to, the, the acceptable shared universe is the proposed uh, Roger Corman one. I'm down with that. You know, I haven't heard about that in forever. Neither have I, which makes me sad because I wanted, like, the Viking women and the sea serpent to be in the same world as the creature from the Haunted Sea. Man, I hadn't thought of Man, that came out years ago. I think I even mentioned it here on the show at one point, but I don't remember when. I haven't heard... There's like 10 of them, right? 10 of the American independent pictures that Corman was involved with that we're going to try to link together. And it was things like Viking women and, and you know, the, the monster movies and then some of these historical, just a weird mix. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, that would have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't mind the shared universe when it's done right. You know, Marvel, you know, I'm a Marvel person. I know you're a DC person though. So what do you think of what they're doing with like the Batman movies and such? Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
Did I open another door? <laughs> yeah, you didn't open another door, but because um, okay, I've been a comic book fan basically since I was thirteen, okay. and this whole DC versus Marvel thing—it's not a thing. <laughs> yes. It's, it popped up with the movies because apparently everything has to be adversarial, but I've been reading Marvel since I started and I've been reading DC since I started. I do have to say my personal predilections are more towards DC because DC and Marvel have two distinct writing styles and character mm-hmm. styles. They always have. Yep. They always have. And there's nothing wrong with that. It is a personal taste issue. So making them adversarial just doesn't make sense in my head. Unless they're doing a four-issue miniseries written by Kurt Busiek, Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay. Because <laughs> for me, it's an issue of what they're doing well right now. Because if you look at the overall scope of Marvel and DC, it's 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 basically like it's on a wheel in, in like in my head. Because there's like Marvel can't do live action stuff to save their lives, like '70s Doctor Strange and the the classic classic original live action Spider Man. I loved that stuff, though, man. Come on, I loved that Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man growing up. Yeah, but you can't say it was good. Well, there was nothing else on, yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, at the time, Marvel was like, they did like some cartoons and stuff that were really good. And then you had, at the same time, you had the DC Wonder Woman with Linda Carter, which was amazing. <laughs> But the cartoons that DC was putting out was like Super Friends and kind of the wheel turned. Mm. And right now we're having Marvel doing really good live action stuff. Whereas their animation is actually kind of sucking. And DC, please Wonder Woman save us. But their animation is really, really super good. So it goes it goes back and forth. The thing is with Marvel is that they have actually put the time and effort into creating that universe. So fair play to them. Because if you're going to put the money and you're going to put the time and you're going to put the talent into creating that, you deserve the success. DC is not willing to do that. They're trying to force it through and it's just absolutely not working. Hasn't that always been Warner Brothers issue though? I mean, I feel like they have so much that they can do. I mean, they have Batman, they have... Superman, they have Wonder Woman, they have Young Justice, they have all these things. And they could have done mm-hmm. so much with what they have. And, and I feel like now that they see what Marvel's doing, it's like, oh, hey, wait a minute, we've got these guys, let's make a movie now. Like, that's, I don't know. I agree. I think they're not putting the care and thought into it. But then didn't Marvel kind of stumble into this by accident too? So who knows? Well, yeah, with Disney. Yeah. Because the thing is, with Marvel, in okay, this is, again, my opinion. The movies, they're throwing so much effort and time into the movies because Disney, the comics are actually starting to suffer. Marvel comics are not very good nowadays. No, there, there's there been a lot of talk about that online too. A lot of the, uh, a lot of people talking about why Marvel is failing and haven't, was it Marvel itself that said there was too much diversity and all this? Other? I, I don't even know what that was about. Did you, did you follow that news? No. Yeah, I'd have, I haven't. And I may even cut this because I, I thought I saw Marvel come out and say that the reason they're not their comics aren't selling is because of this and that. They blamed it on the fans, and so it's like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. I mean that that can't be true because DC is selling comics left and right, and they suck right now too. <laughs> yeah. Don't cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I read comics 
religiously from junior high school through a few years after high school and off and on I still find myself diving back in and you know reading my old stuff and checking out what's out there now and I've always felt that it's a disservice when the comics start following the movies when the the tail starts wagging the dog in that regard oh but, my God. but you know it would be nice if the comic book side of things got a little bit more love <laughs> Because well, I mean, you don't yes. have the movies, but you know, people who see the movies don't necessarily go out and buy the comics, and I, it's a whole thing. So it's interesting uh, that we've got these two different approaches, Marvel and then DC. And then here comes Universal. We're like, hey, wait a minute. We've got all these properties. We've been doing it since the 40s when Frankenstein met the Wolfman. Now we want a piece of this pie. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm going to see it too. My wife, who's in the other room, has committed to seeing it and talking about it here on the show. So that, that will happen. But that's coming out here in about a week or so, isn't it? I think so. It's yeah. real soon. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I have hopes. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I've been hurt too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really want it to be true. I really want it to work. And I think it can work in the right hands. I just don't know if we have the right hands right now. There you go. There you go. It's a good way to put it. Anyway, we, we, we've kind of veered way off. The Dark Universe sizzle reel that I keep talking about, it's about a two-minute-long clip. It's got original music from Danny Elfman, which is great. I mean, I think whether or not you like the 2010 version of The Wolfman they did, one of the best parts of that movie was Danny Elfman's score. So having him do the score for this two-minute bit, very cool. And it's a montage of clips from various classic Universal monster movies. Save Bela Lugosi from Dracula, because Lugosi Jr., is a lawyer or was a lawyer and there's a lot of stuff (laughs) involved there they do use clips from the spanish dracula which i find interesting but they include phantom in the mix there's phantom the gill man uh dr pretorius is at the end it's all these different characters that they reference it makes me wonder if they plan on bringing them into their new shared universe if they're successful with the mummy so does the phantom have a place in all that i don't know we'll see i guess i do you think the phantom could work as a contemporary story so that's an excerpt from the upcoming conversation that Dominique and I are going to have about the Phantom of the Opera. So you may hear some of that again in the future. In the meantime, though, I had completely forgotten about the shared universe that they were thinking about doing with the American International Pictures, those films, the movies that I have a list of here, Girls in Prison, Viking Women and the Sea Serpent, The Brain Eaters, She-Creature, Teenage Caveman, Reformed Schoolgirl, The Undead, War of the Colossal Beast, The Cool and the Crazy, and The Day the World Ended. How in the heck are they going to make all those movies work now this was something that was announced in variety back in 2015 cinedime was the company that was going to be involved in releasing these theatrically and then to dvd digital tv and so on jeff katz was writing the film he was also the guy who wrote snakes on a plane lou arkoff the son of sam arkoff from american international pictures was one of the producers and hal sadoff was also involved he was involved in the movie hotel rwanda how he got from that to these movies i have no idea and, and here's a quote from Luarkov. In a unique twist on the current filmmaking model, all 10 films will shoot back-to-back and share a single movie universe with a big recurring cast of anti-heroes, monsters, and bad girls. This format will allow our cast and directors to build a strong relationship with the characters and our audience over the course of several films. I would love to see this happen, but I don't know if it's happening. I would think that we would have heard something about this by now, don't you? And just as an aside, I did mention that thing about Marvel Comics 
I wasn't making that up. I didn't just pull that out of thin air. David Gabriel, who is the Marvel Comics VP of Sales, is quoted over at Cosmic Book News as saying, what we heard was that people didn't want any more diversity. They didn't want female characters out there. That's what we heard, whether we believe that or not. I don't know that that's really true, but that's what we saw in sales. We saw the sales of any character that was diverse, any character that was new, our female characters, anything that was not a core Marvel character, people were turning their nose up against. Okay. Read into that, whatever you want. Take that with a grain of salt. I, it's, it's Marvel. And a lot of times when they say things to the press, they don't always get it right. But back to the mummy and the dark universe. Dominique said she hadn't seen that sizzle reel and I'm calling it a sizzle reel. I don't know if that's actually the right technical term, but it is a cool little two minute clip showing all these different monster properties that universal can pull from. Now we know that they're doing the mummy. We know that they're doing the invisible man and bride of Frankenstein. There's rumors about creature. There's rumors about a Van Helsing film and whether or not that will actually end up being the Tom Cruise character. Eventually we, don't know for sure. I think ultimately a lot of it depends on what happens with the mummy and bride of Frankenstein. They seem committed about bride. Whatever happens after that, who knows? I feel like they kind of took a step back from Johnny Depp and the invisible man after a lot of the negative press about what's going on with him and the lawsuits and losing money and kind of wanted to see what was going to happen with pirates five. And I guess pirate six has been announced already. So, you know, he's not necessarily kryptonite when it comes to Hollywood yet. So and we'll see what happens there. But that sizzle reel, you know, Dracula doesn't appear in that. At least the Bela Lugosi Dracula doesn't appear in that. I wish Universal would just pony up whatever it is Lugosi Jr. wants. Maybe it's not an ongoing lawsuit. Maybe it's already been settled and it's just said and done and they can't use it. But it really is a shame. Even in his death, Universal has not given Bela Lugosi a break, man. I think it's cool that the Spanish version of Dracula is getting a little bit more attention. That's great. I mean, it's a really good film. In some ways, it's superior to the Todd Browning film. But you can't top Bela Lugosi as the Count. You just can't. Even if you love Hammer and you love Christopher Lee, sorry, man. Bela Lugosi is the originator. It just is. He's the man. He's the one you think of. And that he's not part of that sizzle reel, that compilation, that montage that we see. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. What is it? I don't know. Ejected from unexplored secret stratus, this giant harder than steel piston disgorges strange creatures inundating our world. Twisting the emotions of women, distorting our men. This is a piece we got off the mare. Reflex action like a snake. Cut a snake in half and the two pieces go off in different directions. These things take over a man's mind? He becomes a, a robot? A machine taking orders? Join the hunt for the hiding place of terror. Find the breeding place of these globs of destruction. In feeding the mouth parts, rupture the cells, convey the food to the stomach by a, a pumping action. It's an 
adventure that'll burst your blood vessels with suspense. See the Brain Eaters. I want to thank everybody for participating in this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. The feedback, the voicemails that came in, love them. Listeners, if you have any feedback about The Mummy or anything else that we've talked about here on the show or anything that we might be talking about in the future, please feel free to drop me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 503-479-5657. It's 503-4795-MKR. Remember, it's got a three-minute limit, so if you have more than three minutes worth of things to say, you'll have to call in more than once or do what Chris and Rich did. Just create your own recording and send it into the email, then I'll put it in the show that way. All of our contact information is over on our website at monsterkidradio.net. You can also find links to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, as well as our Patreon page where you can find out how you can support the show by becoming by becoming <laughs> by becoming a patron of the show. In fact, this week, why don't we go ahead and go through our executive producer roll call. Special thanks to Mitch Gonzalez, George McGowan, Thomas Broussard, Tom and Eileen, Terry Mount. Hey, you know what? I think Terry Mount's going to be at Monster Bash. I'll see you there. It'd be nice to meet you in person. Jonathan Angarella, Tracy and Scott Morris, Joseph Perry, Jeremy Lamastis, Jeffrey Owens, Charles Babbage, Frank Schildener, Richard Chamberlain, John Kagallan, and Daniel Cornell, who is a new patron. Welcome to the club, sir. Again, thanks to everybody who's supported Monster Kid Radio at the Toho level or higher. Thanks for being an executive producer of the show. And of course, just thanks for listening to the show. Everybody out there, appreciate all of your support, retweeting the tweets and sharing the posts on Facebook. And if you're a user of iTunes, please consider leaving us an honest review in the iTunes store. Remember earlier, I told you that Nick Brown will be at Monster Bash. He told me in a recording that you're going to hear next week. Nick and Fiona Brown are joining Monster Kid Radio. And it was a real treat to have them on the podcast. I've been wanting to have Nick on Monster Kid Radio for years so so finally get him on the show and then to have Fiona there as well that's just a bonus it's going to be a good time we're going to be talking about their upcoming book the B movie cookbook and talk about that and just catch up with Nick and Fiona between now and then remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC all original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a creative commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives 3.0 Unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song The Mayhem Madness. That belongs to the UK surf band The Water Borders. You can find it at thewaterborders.net and see what they've got coming up. They don't have any gigs planned right now, or at least nothing announced. But if they do have anything coming up, they're going to mention it on their website. You can also buy this song as a single for one pound at thewaterborders.bandcamp.com. And when you do, let them know that you heard them here on Monster Kid Radio. I am Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.